When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Thanks for being a part of the Fearless Army. Drop us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, and when you do, ask me a question in the comments. Each week, we'll compile your best questions and answer them on air. with Jason Whitlock. I'm Jason Whitlock, your host. Happy Monday. Happy MLK Day. Hope you're enjoying your time off. Snowing and cold here in Nashville. Uh, We're going to get through it, though. I feel better. I spent the entire weekend basically in bed, uh, tweeting out my thoughts and trying to recover, and it actually worked. My mother's big on this stuff called Super Tonic, and she had sent me some, you know, earlier in the year. And man, it helped. Uh, So anyway, here I am trying to get you through this wonderful holiday, MLK Day. Hope Again, hope you're enjoying it. Hit the uh, likes and subscription button on the YouTube. Uh, Hit that five-star rating on Apple. Uh, We have a fantastic show today, mostly around the NFL, what happened with the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about that, but we're going to have Brett Favre, the perfect person to talk about. What we just saw from the Cowboys and Packers, he played for Mike McCarthy. Uh, obviously, he's a Packers legend and can give us a take on Jordan Love and everything around that game. Uh, we're going to hear from Coach Jason Brown, the real JB. Remember JB from Last Chance U, great friend of the program. JB's going to come on. I called JB last night uh, after watching those playoff games over the weekend. I was like, man, what are we watching? And, of course, the Korean Cosell uh, will be with us as well. I, I just want to frame up, and I, this will be short, framing up the, uh, the, the Cowboys disaster from last night and, and offering uh, the Cowboys a little bit of sympathy uh, towards the Cowboys. There is so much focus so, in this new social media matrix world that we've created that I think there's a common thread between Tony Romo and Dak Prescott and what's gone on with the Cowboys over the last 25 years. That as these debate talk shows have become more and more popular, as social media trolling and all these gimmicks around the Dallas Cowboys have intensified, the entire sports media industrial complex, for lack of a better explanation, revolves around trolling the Dallas Cowboys. Last night, Skip Bayless uh, put out uh, his latest video. I mean, it's, it's comical watching a 70-year-old man who three, four times a year videotapes himself throwing Cowboys jerseys and T-shirts into the trash can. This is all gimmick. And this is, the, what, you know, the stuff I've been talking about last week as it relates to Stephen A. Smith, as it relates to ESPN, we didn't get into it, but like ESPN having to return 37 Emmy Awards because they were juking the system, gaming the system to win Emmy Awards. The, 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 the stuff I've been telling you about Stephen A. Smith being a plant, fabricating or exaggerating his background narrative. You, you really think a network that would uh, juke the Emmy Award system and, and pick up 37 awards <laughs> by cheating, wouldn't be invested in someone, uh, their biggest star with a fabricated or exaggerated background? Uh, of course they would. It's all. Sports are just a big television show. They keep reducing the reality of sports and increasing the, the gimmick around sports. And, and none of this has to do with fans. 
None of what they're doing has to do with That's how you end up with the Kansas City Chiefs on the Peacock Network, a streaming service. you got to sign up for to download the streaming service to watch a football game. None of this has to do with the fan. Everything is about money. I want to play you. Uh, here's uh, Stephen A. Smith. I just want to tell you about the, the disconnect from reality. We're going to play you. Stephen A. Smith, he put out his clip promoting his show yesterday, laughing. This is SOT number five, laughing at the Cowboys for losing a game. Watch. <laughs> You know, I thought about doing something a little extra. I really, really did. I really, really did. Because I said, you know something? I've been telling y'all now for 28 straight years, 29 and counting. Just wait. Be patient. They won't let you down. But you wouldn't listen. You wouldn't listen, did you? You wouldn't listen. Now look what's happened to you now. This is all gimmick, and I'm not trying to pick on Stephen A. Smith. I'm trying to make a bigger point about, like, man, this whole media system is built around trolling the Dallas Cowboys. It's the NBA has spent the last 15 years, 17 years, built around either trolling LeBron James or arguing that LeBron James is better than Michael Jordan. Take, take the LeBron James argument. It's not connected to reality. No one objectively believes that LeBron James is better than Michael Jordan. They don't, they don't believe that. They'll argue it. It's fun. It's good TV. Just based on record accomplishment, the eye test, maybe there are people that never saw Jordan and only saw him in highlights, but the reality is it's a silly, stupid argument. But there have been people who built their whole careers around, I'm a LeBron James super fan, I'm a LeBron James super hater. It's all a gimmick. During football season, we go through the gimmick of every weekend, it's the Cowboys, and did they win or lose? And someone gets to run out and say, I'm the ultimate Cowboys fan. And the other guy runs out, I'm the ultimate Cowboys hater. And it produces ratings and traction and social media traction. It's all a gimmick, but none of it's connected to truth or reality. And and at this point, I'm I'm arguing it's not even fair to the Cowboys. I, I, I don't think Dak Prescott's a bad quarterback. I don't think Tony Romo was a bad quarterback. I think they play quarterback, or they played quarterback, Romo past tense, Dak present tense, for the team that's under the most scrutiny of any sports team in America. There's more pressure for playing for the Cowboys, and that's why these guys keep consistently choking in the postseason. You put either one of these guys on another team, with less pressure, and I don't think it happens, but but I want to make this final point. Here's Stephen A. gloating about uh, the Cowboys losing without mentioning, and I'm sure it's important, but that, that he actually thought the Cowboys were going to win in a blowout. Play the clip. Green Bay and Dallas. As much as I hate to admit it, I see Dallas winning this game and dropping over 40. Green Bay's defense is horrible. I got a bad knee. I'm in my 50s, and I don't think they could defend me. I'm not sold on Green Bay at all. So, (laughs) not that he can't gloat that Dallas lost, but he thought they were going to win. And so his take today will have nothing to do with the reality that he's just as shocked as anybody else. There's just... No authenticity. Our authenticity is being diminished in sports. And so when you look at what we saw this entire NFL weekend, playoff weekend, you're seeing a drop in authenticity. And and none of it has anything to do with the fan. All of it has to do with who and how can I monetize and make money off of a television show 
called the NFL. That's my take. We'll hear from uh, Brett Favre, Jason Brown, Steve Kim throughout the rest of the show. Stay tuned. Megan Kelly, previously on Fearless. Do you think Joe Biden will be on the ballot come November? Next, yeah, next November. Such a hard question, but all right, I'm gonna have, if I have to answer it, I'm gonna say yes, because even though everyone around him and Axelrod and others are saying, you need to step down, this is absurd, you can't do it. I just don't think he's gonna voluntarily walk away from power. I mean, I just think he's not going to do it willingly. He's not going to do it. And I don't think he's going to listen to Barack Obama coming and putting him, you know, pulling him aside, saying for the good of the country. I think he's full of hubris. I think he's a dishonest person. I think he is very narcissistic, as you kind of have to be in order to run for president. And he's going to think he can do it and that everybody else is wrong. All right, perfect guest for that football game yesterday, Packers Cowboys. Brett Favre. Brett, welcome back to the show. Thank Push you, yourself to be a thousand percent honest. When you're watching that game yesterday, were you thinking, what in the hell is wrong with the Cowboys? Or man, Jordan Love and the Packers, this is awesome. What thoughts ran through your mind the most they probably both ran through your mind but what I, what captured you the most yeah you just answered my question both uh I, i've been saying this probably the last five weeks now i'm not saying that i'm a, a genius but i have been saying that the hottest team in football as of late is the packers the hottest quarterback in the playoffs by far is jordan love the, the, and, and the Packers are the youngest team in football, officially, but playing like the Cowboys of the early to mid-90s, uh, just dominant. And, and they've shown that the last several weeks. I mean, they've caught fire. And it's in regards to Dallas, it's sort of the, the opposite. They started off hot. They've gradually declined. They had a really bad showing in, in Buffalo a few weeks back. And, and the good teams going into the playoffs don't do that. I like uh, Dak Prescott. I think Mike McCarthy is a really good coach. I think they got some good players, but they got it handed to them yesterday. And I was a little bit surprised about how dominant Packers were, but I wasn't surprised by the victory. Uh, I, I thought Dallas would, would play better and, and give them a better game than uh, than yesterday. So did you sit down yesterday thinking Green Bay has a chance to win, or were you sitting down going, no, I think we're going to win today? No, when I sat down, I, I thought the Packers – they had a legitimate chance to win. I thought it would be better had they played in Green Bay, obviously. Dallas is a, you know, it's a tough place to play. You know, I, my season was ended three or four years in a row in Dallas in, in the early 90s. Now, they were a dominant football team. They could do what they wanted when they wanted. This Cowboys team is not, I mean, there were holes in their, in, in their team. And so the Packers, I felt like when I sat down that they got to play a clean game. No turnovers, limit penalties, um, you know, try to get some big plays on either side of the ball. But boy, was I surprised. Uh, As much as I I think the Packers are the hottest team in football and Jordan loves playing great, I I didn't expect that. I, I I think it was a little bit of both. I think it was a lackluster 
uh, performance by by Dallas. But the Packers capitalized on their lackluster performance by just dominating them from start to finish. So if you're Jerry Jones today, you know, 12 and five season, I believe, uh, number two seed, you haven't won a Super Bowl in, uh, is it 30 years now or close to? I don't know. Basically, yeah, almost 30 years. Do you, is he in a position where, hey, I like Mike McCarthy, but I got to make a change here. I like Dak Prescott, but I got to make a change here. I think it's way premature to make a change at, at head coach and, and quite frankly, at quarterback. I, I, there's a lot of money invested in Dak, and I think Dak is a heck of a football player. I think he's a great leader. I think the team responds to him very well. Uh, they, now, yesterday was was not the case. I think that Jerry has to evaluate some of those positions, not necessarily head coach or uh, a quarterback. As we know, head coaches and quarterbacks get probably way too much credit, way too much blame. But, you know, aside from Micah Parsons, Dak Prescott, and C.D. Lamb, I don't know much about the other team, the rest of the team. Uh, and, And I'm sure they've got some very good players. But they were exposed yesterday by a by a young, energetic, uh, fearless team. And uh, whether it's free agency or draft, I mean, that, they got to pick up some players that, uh, that, that can equal the opponent's uh, intensity. And, I, you know, I, I think that's where he needs to look first and foremost. What have they got? What is it? Three twelve win seasons with McCarthy. Yeah, something, something like yeah. that. That's 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 pretty good. Now we, as we know, you're judged by your playoff or Super Bowl victories, and it's it's been quite a while since the Cowboys have had success in the playoffs, and it's been almost thirty years since they've won a Super Bowl. Um, so the 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 natives are restless. Understandably so. So, Tony Romo and Dak Prescott both now have the reputation of, hey, these guys will put up big numbers during the regular season, but they're going to lay an egg in the postseason. And so the common denominator is the star on the helmet. It's, it's, it's not Dak or Romo. Playing that position with Dallas and the way, and you know, we've been talking on today's show about all the way the media builds all of its discussion around whether the Cowboys win or lose every week, and then come postseason, it's it's like everybody just sits around and they can't wait to trash the Cowboys uh, for losing. And I'm just. There's always been pressure being a Dallas Cowboy, but it seems like in this social media era and this talk show, debate show era, maybe there's just more pressure on being the Cowboys quarterback, and that's why things don't go well in the postseason. I'm just scratching my head trying to figure out Romo and now Dak both have the same reputation. You know, my personal opinion is the talk shows should be talking about the pressure that Jordan Love should or is under taking over for Aaron Rodgers. And keep in mind, last year with Aaron Rodgers, they did not make the playoffs. This year with Jordan Love, they did make the playoffs and not only made the playoffs, their first playoff game was one in dominant fashion. I don't think anyone could disagree whether you like the Packers or not. That performance yesterday was a Super Bowl performance. If they perform that way, the rest of the way, they're in the Super Bowl. And quite frankly, in my opinion, they win it. Now, I can't believe I'm saying that with, a, with the youngest team in football. 
But you cannot deny that that performance yesterday was nothing short of spectacular. And Jordan Love has ascended throughout the year. You know, had had his moments where he looked like a first-year starter. But here of late, that's what people should be talking about. The rise of Jordan Love, the pressure, the expectations that he was under. Yeah, we, I, I get it. Dallas is, um, you know, quote-unquote America's team. And it's tough to play for America's team. But the, the Packers have a mystique of their own. And taking over for Aaron Rodgers is big shoes to fill. Jordan Love has, has done a fantastic job of handling his situation. And that's what people should be talking about. You, you make an interesting distinction and point. And so it, it leads me to a natural question. Do, do, as a Green Bay Packer, and, you know, for the majority of your career, and a legendary Green Bay Packer, did it ever bother you, like, hey, why are they calling the Dallas America's team? What about us? I mean, we're as much a part of the NFL's history, if not more, than, than anybody. We got yeah. Vince Lombardi and Bart Starr, first Super Bowl. Did it ever, like... Why, why do they run and run acting like Dallas is America's you, team? You know what I thought about, and it was kind of funny, because uh, I grew up a Dallas Cowboy fan. Roger Stallback was my guy. I loved him. I loved Tony Dorsett, Preston Pearson, Drew Pearson, uh, Robert Newhouse. You know, the list goes on and on. That was my team. Tom Landry, loved. Then Danny White took over. I mean, uh, I loved them. They should be called internationals team you know because they people you know elsewhere can relate to the cowboys i mean they, they've heard of the dallas cowboys they couldn't tell you how many super bowls they've won or whatever but the america america's team true america's team is green bay and when you go to that town to watch a game or you just go to visit and tour the stadium you go this is incredible that a town of this size can have the mystique that they have. And the great players, you go in that Hall of Fame and you go, wow, I forgot about this guy. Forgot about this guy. Uh, so, but I get it. In the 90s, the Troy Aikman era, Emmitt Smith, Alvin Harper, um, Jay Novacek, Michael Irvin. I mean, they were virtually unstoppable. And, I know firsthand because they dominated the 90s. And so I, I get it back then. But those days are over. You know, the, they, they've, they've kind of flown under the radar for quite some time. And it's been since Jimmy Johnson uh, that they tried to find their magic again. And uh, the magic has not been there. And I'm sure Jerry is scrambling. Uh, but it may be simpler than then everyone makes it out to be, you know, maybe it's a, a piece of the puzzle here and there. Um, you can't keep changing coaches and expect any continuity and chemistry. Uh, and I, I honestly, I think Mike would be safe. I think it would be very premature to let him go. Uh, but that yesterday, I think more than any game this year, including Buffalo, expose the weaknesses that the Cowboys have. And, and that's going to have to be evaluated very. And I, and, and I attribute effort or lack thereof as one of the big factors they lost. Packers looked like they were the team that was not only expecting to win, but loving every bit of it. They were flying around. They were, they were making plays. They were excited for each other. The Cowboys, on the other hand, looked like they had one foot in the parking lot, uh, ready to go to the offseason. And to me, that's uh, unacceptable. So, effort, if it's poor effort, wouldn't you blame the coach? Well, the coach is where you start with. Uh, how a guy... And I, I couldn't tell you, I couldn't, I couldn't pinpoint a particular person, but just in general, 
how a guy individually can in a in a playoff that you you're playing NFL football in the playoffs, whether it's your first playoff game or your tenth, is not excited about that opportunity. I just I I I, I have no answer for that. I have how can you not be excited about the opportunity. It is a blessing to be playing NFL football and in the playoffs. So you should be flying around, jumping around, excited about it. I don't care how many years you played or how many years you haven't played. That's in, yeah, it falls off on the coach, but the player should, should be cut or something if you go back and look at that film and you go, that ain't the effort that we expect from you. That's not the effort you showed me two weeks ago. That's not the effort you showed in the first game of the season. You're jogging here, chasing that run, running back. It's time to replace those type of guys. And again, I, I can't say there's one particular guy, but that was my observation that they were lackluster compared to the Packers. Brad, you've made some fascinating points. I'm going to ask you one last thing, and I'm going to let you go because I love the point. You're, you're getting at things that I thought all weekend, I kept saying, I don't see the playoff intensity from both teams. Now, I did think the, the Rams-Lions game ended, or that was a great note to end on. Matt Stafford going back to Detroit, Jared Goff trying to prove something to the Rams. There was a lot of emotion and intensity in that game. But in the other three games, I, I thought, man, something's missing. Yeah. This ain't right. And I kept thinking, like, these guys, through no fault of their own, because I, I, I just, it, we can all sit around and complain about it but, and complain about those guys. But, Brett, I just think they're making too much money to care at this point. There's too many games and there's too much money. And people, they've taken, it's like, I don't need to win a Super Bowl to be super rich. I don't need to be a Super Bowl to be a legend in my own mind. I don't need a, you know, and so it'd be nice to have, but man, they're paying me five, 10, 15, 30 million dollars a year. 40. I'm, I'm good. I've already, yeah, I've already won the lottery. What do I need to go to work for? I think there's some, I think you make a valid point, Jason. Uh, you know, look at the Kansas City game. It was streamed on something called Peacock. I don't even know what that is uh, for, you know, for, for obvious reasons. Um, and they're, they're bragging about their ratings. I didn't watch the game because I didn't, I didn't want them to download another streaming service. Uh, you're right. The season's too long. So the more you get beat up, the more you would, you can understand maybe a player not playing at his potential in week 19 when it matters versus one of the 17 regular or 16, 17 regular season games. I don't know what it is. Uh, you know, the first I'm going to give you one year, last point. I, I said I was done, but I'm going to give you one last because, man, you've really helped me think this through. But, but when we think of the playoffs and when I think of rivalries and just playoffs, you think of intensity and you think of like, man, we're going to go out here and knock their into the dirt. I'll leave out the word. Yeah. <laughs> used to say, knock it into the dirt. But the NFL is so focused on safety and the players have had it beaten into their head. There were plays I saw this weekend where guys went and pushed people instead of hitting them because they know the rules have, have told them they can't do it. And so I, I'm looking at guys like they made a bunch of money. The NFL set up a bunch of rules to like, we don't really want you to play football. We want you to play flag football. And so it's weird about dudes. We like risk. We like high stakes. And they've reduced the stakes by taking a lot of the physicality out of the game and so we w shouldn't be surprised that the intensity level has dropped. Yes. I totally agree. And defenses are behind. Defenses don't tackle. They can't hit the quarterback. 
you can't even look at the quarterback like you're going to hit him. And, and honestly, have the, the injuries or concussions gone down? No. The game of football is a combat sport. You're making tons of money. Leave it a combat sport. I, I totally agree with trying to protect the head. But too many times guys get flagged or, or fined for what I would consider a, a non-hit. Or you bump the quarterback and he falls down, flag, 15 yards, and fine 40 grand or 20 grand. If I'm that player, the next time I'm like, hell, I ain't hitting him. I'm not even going to touch him. And we're seeing that tackling. I think that the, the NFL in a season, counting training camp, you get 15 days in pads for practice. 15 days. How can you practice tackling? or physicality, run run blocking, pass blocking against live defensive guys. You can't do that in shorts. So we're seeing the result of that. But I guess the NFL wants to see a lot of points scored, and they're getting their their wish. But you're not seeing the the every once in a while you want to see a giant bear game like the old days, nine to seven. <laughs> Those days are long gone. Yeah. You, you want to see uh, Pittsburgh versus Baltimore when it was Ray Lewis versus James Harrison. You, <laughs> you want to yeah. see one of them games. And, and, uh, what's it? What's it? Perfect, the Cincinnati Bengal linebacker, yeah. when he played the Steelers. Jack Hamm. Y'all can hate him Jack if you Lambert. wanted to. Yeah, but, yeah, but you want to see that. Brad, thank you so much. Uh, this was awesome. You really helped me think through because uh, I'm trying to figure out what did I just watch this weekend, and right. you helped me a lot. Uh, enjoy the rest of your week. Hopefully you well, – it's, well, I don't know. You got a hat on like it's cold in Mississippi. It's really cold it's, up here in Nashville. But Yeah, it's cold. Happy hunting. All right. Thank you, Jason. <laughs> Talk to you. Happy hunting. All right. Thank you. That's Brett Farr. Uh, wow. Love that conversation from Brett Farr. Going to continue it. Uh, with the real JB. You guys know JB. We're going to bring Jason Brown from Last Chance You back on the show, and we're going to pick up with JB uh, from that conversation I just had with uh, Brett Favre. Next. Caden Robertson, previously on Fearless. expressed that I wanted that conversation so I really tried for like three three and a half weeks to get a, a meeting with him a sit-down meeting with him um, and we had stuff scheduled and actually on April on April 30th I sent coach Hart a text saying hey when can we meet with him um, so that day he's like we'll, we'll shoot for Thursday so you're looking at Thursday May 4th and haven't really heard anything from him, so I texted him on that Thursday early in the morning, hey, are we gonna be able to make today work? And he sends me a text, no, he's out of town. Um, and that happened, you know, a few times. And so it became, at that point, it became very clear that, you know, for whatever reason, Dion didn't wanna have a conversation with me and he was kinda, you know, refusing to meet with me. Shady's back. Last chance Q. Jason Brown, the real coach JB. JB uh, just had Brett Favre on talking to him before you, and he took me to some really good thoughts because I, I called JB last night, and and it was like JB, what did we just watch? What 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 are we watching here this weekend? This is crazy, and so Brett and I were just talking. And it took me to a place where I'm like, hey, man, they've removed all the intensity from football because the players don't like the game nearly as much as they used to because they've reduced all of the risk. Guys like taking risks. That's what Evil Knievel and all these other people, this is what men do. We take risks. We do dumb things. 
And they're trying to remove all the dumb things from, oh, you can't hit anybody anymore. And we saw defensive players, instead of taking shots at people and tackling, they're pushing. All of this reduces the intensity, and that's why we got a lot of garbage play this weekend. Anyway, you and I talked about it yesterday. Your thoughts before we get specifically down to Dallas, but just your thoughts about the playoff weekend. Man, it starts here in California. We are we're trying to ban tackle football for the youth right now. Uh, legislature legislature is trying to uh, ban it. Got a lot of people involved, but I'm hearing that the NFL and the governing body that you know the powers that be are are unwilling to even address it. And circling back to your point, if we're going to cut it out at the youth level, then what do you think is going to happen with the engagement at the high school level? We already have the lowest participation in California's history of football playing participants. It's only going to get worse, don't you think, if they cut the youth out? Um, We should have a choice, Jason. I don't know what happened in this country, but I think we should have a choice as a parent to either say yay or nay to playing football. If you think it's harmful, then don't play. But don't cut it out from everyone's possibility of playing and enhancing uh, the opportunity to have that opportunity. Because in the inner city and the most populous state in the union, like California, it's going to enhance crime. It's going to enhance, enhance obesity. It's going to enhance things that we can't control when really we can control it by giving us the option. And I think it's trickling upwards to your point. If we're going to cut it out at the youth level, then we're going to cut it out in high school next. Because if you give these people an inch, they'll take a foot. And then you're going to be crying and moaning about, well, they took high school football from us. Flag football is being played, Jason, in the Pro Bowl. What are we doing? Like, what are we doing? So so I guess Snoop Dogg and these people need to come out and fight for it. Because if you didn't know, C.J. Stroud played where? Snoop League right here in California. Youth Pop Warner football, he played in the Snoop League. We have guys like this all over the country in, in the NFL playing that played in the Snoop Leagues of America. And we need Snoop Dogg to come out and voice it. And we need to save youth football because I believe if we cripple that, we cripple the rest of the things you're talking about. And we don't care for football no more. You know why 17 and 21-year-old? This is an interesting fact. Doctor came on my show. He comes on my show talking about this. Do you know that we have low T levels in 17 to 21-year-olds that we've never seen before? And you wonder why we don't care about football? We want to TikTok. Jason, we want to dance. We want to do some other stuff that I'm not going to say on your show. This is interesting times we're in, and we wonder why we're trying to eliminate once what, what we call a gladiator sport. It's no longer a gladiator sport, Jason. These guys want, it, want the bag of money, as they say. They want to play it and give everything ha- giving, uh, being handed to them without earning anything, and we're seeing it. And it starts because you allowed kids to transfer four times in four years out of high school. It's why you're transferring kids. Casey Thompson, Jason, just got his seventh year of eligibility to play quarterback at the Division One level. Go get a job. I recruited this kid when I was in JUCO when he left Texas seven years ago. Like, what are we doing? Um, it is what it is, but I think we're crippling uh, what we would like to call the alpha male and the male in America is dying and we need to save it or we're going to be really, really up, you know, crap Creek with a paddle. <laughs> JB, this is what you and I talked about yesterday as it relates to guys are changing high schools at the drop of a hat. Guys are changing colleges at the drop of a hat. Should we be surprised that those same guys reach the NFL? They don't care whether it's a star on their helmet, a, a bingo on their helmet, uh, an arrowhead on their helmet. They, they don't care about the team. They care about what's in it for them and how much money can they make. Because, again, we've told them at the high school level, just Hop team, team, do whatever's best for you. You get to college, there's adversity. Switch schools, look for a better NIL deal. And so when I was watching the playoffs, and I said this to you last night, I was like, these guys don't care about Dallas. They don't care about any, whatever city they're representing. All they care about is the bag. And, and, and the NFL 
And this is where people really need to wake up. The NFL doesn't care about the fan at all. Nothing they're doing has anything to do with the fan. You think they're on the Peacock streaming this to a small percentage of America because they care about the fan? You are the last thing that they think about, last thing the players think about, and then we look out there and see like, well, man, this isn't as intense. This isn't nearly as competitive as football used to be. It shouldn't surprise anybody. Uh, you should have Tank Johnson on your show. He's on my show on Tuesdays. Uh, he, he loves your stuff. He wants to come on your show and talk with you. But he he talks to Roger Goodell quite often. He was uh, involved in the NLPA and other things. And he's like, you know, corporate America is buying up those seats that you think are filled by fans. They're actually corporate companies buying these seats and filling them. So it gives us a optical illusion that the fans are still really engaged. No, they're not. Vegas sold out a Pro Bowl that played flag football last year, and everyone was calling Roger Goodell a marketing genius when, in fact, it was billion-dollar companies buying and filling those stands because you and I aren't going to go watch a flag football game being played um, on a real football field where tackle football should be playing. And, and, and I don't believe a lot of Americans would do that. So I think it makes perfect sense what he tells me that we are filling these things up with corporate American sponsorships that are billion dollar companies. So the fan can be set. We could tell the fan, you no longer pay our player salaries. You no longer pay our salaries. We got corporate money. That's going to just swallow you guys up. And I think we're seeing it firsthand right now. And it, and, it, and we're, we're on a slippery slope, Jason. I don't know where this thing goes, but we have, uh, we've created the hardest watch for me personally that I've ever seen in football. And, and it starts with things like the Higby tackle last night that the guy aims straight for his kneecap. Um, but you can step on Matthew Stafford's shoulder and hit him in the head. But if you did that to Mahomes, boy, you might have got ejected. So it's just the inconsistency of what we're seeing is, I guess, the, the, the truth of the matter, the inconsistency in the NFL, not only referees and, and the calls, but in the actual product on the field. Um, it's just becoming a hard watch for people like myself and even former NFL players that are on my show every day. It's a hard watch, man. I, I'm curious if you ask Brett Favre this, Jason. Do you think the players that are entering the portal today from the University of Arizona or Washington to chase their coaches know who Brett Favre is? That is the That goes back full circle to your original point. These players don't care. They don't even know who the greats they're chasing are. They don't know who Brett Favre is. I recruited the number one running back in America, and he did not know who Eric Dickerson was. Like, this is five years ago. So do you think they really are invested in this? No, they just want the money for doing bare minimum. And I couldn't imagine chasing a profession that I don't even know who the greats in that profession are. That's like a journalist coming out and not knowing that Jason Whitlock was a great journalist and this is how he started and did this research. Like, nah, just give me the bag. Let me just spew anything I want out of my mouth. It's crazy. Crazy times. <clears throat> so let's talk a little football before I let you go. Bring on your boy, Steve Kim. Uh, Dak Prescott was on his way to being the highest paid player in the NFL. Uh, at what, you know, it's... At what three o'clock? Uh, three o'clock yesterday, Eastern. He was on track to be the highest paid player in the NFL. Ah, d does Dallas got to move on from him here? They they were talking contract extension and all all this other stuff. Uh, what do you do with Dak Prescott at this point if you're Jerry Jones? I want to know who's going to call Cam Newton and tell him we apologize. You were right. Um, I want to know that because I've been saying the same thing that Cam said for years on my show. Here's the thing. Bilichek or Harbaugh or what? I think Harbaugh is going to be the Chargers coach by the end of the week or if not today. But but the Cowboys feel is, is who do you go after? You go after Pete Carroll, 72-year-old Super Bowl champ. You go after 71-year-old Bill Belichick, seven, six-time champ, whatever he is. Um, or do you go young? Do you go young? Um Either one, either way, Jason, 
whoever you hire, young, old, short, fat, skinny, tall, you got to get rid of this guy. I mean, he just doesn't make you better. And I had an argument on my show today with Matt McChesney, who you've had on. Like, what do you do? Who do you get? They're 12-game winner three years in a row. And I said, well, I guess mediocrity is a new excellence then because it's, you're consistent. You're sure consistent, but you're one in four in the playoffs. <laughs> and you haven't won a Super Bowl or been to an NFC title game in 28 years. I want a quarterback that's going to get me over the hump. Players win you games. Coaches lose them. When is Dak Prescott going to get this franchise over the hump for the b- amount of money you pay him? That's just a simple question I have. Because you can't continue to pay a guy and wish in one hand and crap in the other one and see what fills up first. Because we know which one's filling up first. They haven't won a Super Bowl yet. And I, he's, he's no different than Tony Romo. Uh, do you keep Mike McCarthy? Um, I like Mike. He's, he's a hell of an offensive coach. Uh, I think Dak was better with him than he was with Kellen Moore, which kind of shows you what Kellen Moore really is. Another placement plant in the industry, I, I believe. <laughs> Cause look at Herbert's production with Kellen Moore. Uh, we can really dive into something deep. We want to talk about this guy, but anyway, this guy's coach Aaron Rodgers to a Super Bowl. He's he's developed quarterbacks. I like what he's done with Dak. Dak is clearly better than he was with Kellen Moore. But having said that, the result-oriented business that this is, football, is back to being exactly that. You lost, and you didn't get out of the first round, and Jerry Jones spends a lot of money. Um, I think you have to move on. You have to move on from him because you've given coaches ample opportunities. You give Jason Garrett, what, eight years? To fail, I, I, you don't have the time anymore, Jerry. You're you're pushing whatever eighty five. How old are you? However old, I don't believe he has eight years with McCarthy to see if it works. I think he has to chase rings at this point, and you got to go get either the proven commodity in Belichick or the young go getter that you're seeing in Houston win with a rookie quarterback, uh, somebody like that. And I don't know who that is, but. Uh, I sure would be throwing a lot of money at Jim Harbaugh right now. Quickly, JB, I got this will be final question. I got to let you go bring your boy Steve Kim on. Uh, Mike McDaniel or Tua Tavola, who, who got exposed here? I, maybe both of them did a little bit, but I think Tua got exposed a little bit more. Tua is not an NFL quarterback, starting franchise-type quarterback. He just doesn't have the arm strength, in my opinion. Yeah, and I've been saying that, but what do I know? Um, here it is. Here's the bottom line. You got a guy that wears capri pants on the sideline that we look to for direction <laughs> as a man in a gladiator sport. There's no longer Bill Parcells roaming the sideline. There's no Bill Cowers. There's no uh, you know Mike Shanahan's. This is the McDaniel, the, the Staley, the analytical uh, – bookworm coach who who can't even pay enough homage to put a dang polo on we got capri pants um first of all coaching perspective wise they booted and waggled tua off of his right hash to his right six times the other night against kansas city in the snow you heard what i said right he's a left-handed quarterback just so we're clear they boot naked at him six times to his right. That is not a coach putting a player in a very, very successful um, manner. He's not putting him in a successful uh, area to be conducive to his, to win. I, I don't want a left-handed quarterback going right. Is it? Are we trying to tricky uh, trick the defense? Like this guy has to flip his hips and get his arm over here as a lefty. And not one of those six balls were completed. That is a coaching error. And number one, number two, you have a guy with a weak arm um, who's going to against the grain to his right in a snow game that's 30 below zero. And we're expecting results when you should have been running the football and keeping Kansas City off the field. You did none of those things. And he hasn't beat a physical team ever. 
in his career at Miami as the head coach. They struggle against 500 teams, and this team is who they are. They're the bullies that beat up the little undersized kid, but when the big dog comes in, they get bullied. And this is who the Dolphins have been. This is who they are. Uh, I think they have two issues there, the head coach and the quarterback. Uh, I don't know how you fix it in today's world because you'll be canceled if you get rid of both of them. (laughs) So uh, promote your show. Tell people where they can go watch you and Big Smitty and when they can watch, and then I'm going to let you go. I appreciate it uh, for having me on uh, the Coach JB Show with Big Smitty. We're every day, five days a week at 6 a.m. Pacific, 9 Eastern on YouTube for the Coach JB Show with Big Smitty. And we got everybody from Eric Weddle, Tank Johnson, Matt McChesney, Trent Richardson. Uh, we got a lot of guys on every single day. And uh, it's it's a fast-growing sports show on YouTube. So appreciate everybody joining over there. And uh, keep killing it, Jason. Uh, tell Stephen A. I said what's up. <laughs> <laughs> Will do. Thank you. Uh, let's move on to Steve Kim next. Owen Carey, previously on Fearless. We're supposed to have team meetings with Dion every Wednesday. And so the first four weeks of spring training, you know, we're all very excited. Most of us are excited. Some people are pretty apprehensive about getting to work out for Prime and go prove that they have what it takes. And the first three weeks, he skipped the team meeting that he had scheduled with us. And so the first three weeks we're working out, we did not get to see him, talk to him, interact with him, hear from him anything he this is the whole team yeah and you say every wednesday Mm -hmm. and you guys are you have the introductory press conference that everybody films and then when he gets to boulder there's scheduled team meetings and you never meet with the head coach correct All right, welcome back. Time for some Korean co-sell. Steve Kim joining the program. Uh, Steve, I want to start <laughs> by playing you uh, this clip from RG3. Uh, I believe it's SOT number three. Uh, RG3 says he's got the solution uh, for the Dallas Cowboys. Let's take a listen. But it's got to be the coach. You guys have had three consecutive 12-win seasons. Nothing to show for it. It's been 28 years since you made a conference championship game. It's been 28 years since you won a Super Bowl. And you've had 12 consecutive playoff appearances without advancing to a conference championship game, which is the longest in NFL history. Unbelievable. A lot of people are saying that you guys should go get Bill Belichick as your next head coach. Because we all know that Mike McCarthy stuff was packed before this game was already over. His office, empty. He gone. But I know who you need. You need Coach Prime. That's right. Deion Sanders, Coach Prime. Coach Prime knows how to win in Dallas. He knows what it takes to have a championship mindset. He knows how to hold his guys accountable, and he is a culture changer. Look at what he did at Jackson State going 27 and six. Completely changed the culture there at that HBCU. Then he goes to Colorado and he changes the mindset there. And it's not just that. Coach Prime is also gonna bring you your quarterback of the future. Yeah, that's right. Shadir Sanders. And I'm a Dak guy. I love his game. I think the Cowboys can win a Super Bowl with him. But if Coach Prime becomes the head coach, you better believe he's trying to go get his son to come with him. And if the Cowboys have an opportunity to draft that young man, oh, they certainly are. Dak can take Shadir under his wing and teach him the ropes until he's ready to take over. But we all know a couple things about Jerry Jones. He loves money and he loves the attention on his Dallas Cowboys. No coach will make Jerry Jones more money than Coach Prime. Deion Sanders will have the Dallas Cowboys high-stepping towards a Lombardi in no time. There you go, Steve. What? What, <laughs> what is that? I, 
I mean, is RG3 trying to get reinvited to the barbecue, to the cookout, <laughs> you know, because of his choices and spouses? I don't get this. This whole thing about the culture change. RG3 should know this better than anybody. The SWAC ain't the NFC East. And if you actually talk to people that know a little bit about the inner workings of what's going on at Colorado, we, you know, who we're talking about, they'll tell you there were some issues last year that really cropped up in the second half of that college football season. And now Shadur Sanders is supposed to be the modern-day Roger Staubach or Troy Aikman. Uh, Jason, if he was really that good, he wouldn't be coming back for his last year at Colorado. But This is a loaded draft class where there's at least three, four, maybe five quarterbacks that are higher on the board. I mean, in essence, if Shadur Sanders is basically a third or fourth-round draft choice, Guess what, Jason? <laughs> Dak Prescott was a fourth-round draft choice. You're almost getting the same guy. So I, I don't understand this whole pandering to bring up Dion's name to every major job, whether it's Alabama or the Dallas Cowboys. Let him win a real conference or his division first in the Big 12 now, because that's what they are. Let him actually put together a solid nine-win season in Boulder before we start elevating him to the most high-pressure, high-profile jobs in all of football. Yeah, uh, listen, I, I, I brought that up because I just want to say this, and this may not uh, totally connect with you, but it, it's my working theory at this point. I think uh, Dion is a high-ranking member of the Masonic Freemason wow. movement, <clears throat> and I think that RG3 is, you know, maybe a second, third-degree Freemason and is and a lot of these guys, the worship of Dion is some kind of Masonic ritual. And I'm, I'm telling you, that's, that's what I believe. It's like the, the, the Masons all agree, we're going to install Dion at the top of the food chain. And the way for the rest of you guys to move up is to worship Dion and say illogical things and promote Dion. Well, the guy finished in last place in the Pac-12, and he should be a candidate for every coaching job. Hell, at some point, RG3 is going to say he should be president of the United States. I mean, Jason, let's be fair to Dion. Coach Sanders has never actually said he wanted to work in the National Football League. He has said, I'd rather work with young men and impact their lives. Now, let's see if he can do that. But if you hear some of the reports about how Shadur was given preferential treatment inside that locker room at Colorado, we've all heard of the whispers. You do that at the pro level, that ain't going to play well in the locker room, Jason. I just, look, I, I am... I hope that Dion actually stays at Colorado for a while because I think this is a really interesting experiment or a situation that I want to see play out. Can he actually build Colorado to where they were back in the 90s with Bill McCartney? Um, but I just wonder, though, when you are saying that he needs the greatest, highest-paying jobs after one year in Colorado, isn't that a way of saying that we actually don't have faith that Dion's going to build this thing? <laughs> Well, clearly they don't think that, or yeah. they think it's a one-off. I, 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 it's just ridiculous, the, the worship of Deion Sanders. Steve, I started the show off in my, my right. own just talking about uh, this whole Cowboys obsession mm -hmm. in the media, that every week on social media, every week on the debate shows, it's a conversation about whether the Cowboys won or lost. And, and the playoffs are the big payoff for this whole gimmick that everybody does, that the whole world revolves around the Dallas Cowboys. And look, I'm, people getting great results from it, and Skip Bayless puts out a video uh, every time they lose. He's throwing jerseys away. I saw one <laughs> yesterday. He's throwing some more jerseys around. Stephen A. Smith does his gimmick. He hates the Cowboys and mocks Dak Prescott. W what I have to say is, and, and I, I, I brought this up with Brett Favre, is that there's more pressure playing for the Cowboys now than in the era before social media and the era before these rigged up gimmicky debate shows. And that maybe that's the common thread between Tony Romo and Dak Prescott, that perhaps Roger Staubach, Troy Aikman, Danny White, Craig Morton, 
uh, who else? I can't remember these other Don, Dandy Don Meredith. Maybe they didn't face that level of pressure that these guys are uh, facing, and maybe it contributes to them melting down. Well, Jason, look at the media landscape the last 15 years. Skip Bayless was a titan. Stephen A. Smith, certainly one of the bigger names. Michael Irvin, one of the more well-known NFL players that have gone in the media. They all have either a love-hate relationship with the Cowboys or they hate to love them, right? And then they are America's team. I This goes all the way back. To me, it's a residual effect of that dynasty of the 90s built by Jimmy Johnson. I remember, Jason, um, wherever they would play, I do, but but I'm just saying, in that era. (laughs) You're you're the RG3 of Jimmy Johnson. Go ahead. But at least uh, it's warranted. (laughs) Yeah, but the only difference is I don't think you should be hired anywhere. I think you should just chill out (laughs) taking old Heineken's on his boat, three rings. But what what the point I want to make is in the 90s, the Cowboys became a phenomenon. They were right up there with Jordan and the Bulls. They really were. When you'd go to a road game, the Cowboys had at least half the crowd. And so there's this, like, rabid fascination with that franchise. And this is one of the point that I want to really get to. Jerry Jones does not make that an easy job at all. J- Jason, this guy literally does a press conference after every game like he's the coach. I don't there, – there's 30 other owners outside of Robert Kraft – I don't even know what they really look like. I really don't. If they were to shake my hand, I'd be like, yeah, which team do you? But this guy literally holds court like he's a football guy. And, you know, a couple weeks ago when Jimmy got into the ring of honor, I started doing a deep dive into how that relationship fell apart. Jason, I really believe this. Call me Oliver Stone. Jerry Jones put Jimmy Johnson in the ring of honor this year to lift the curse of Jimmy, thinking it'd be good karma that everyone would be back on its side. <laughs> but I'll never forget, Jay, NBC had the Super Bowl that year, Jimmy's last game against Buffalo, the rematch. Bob Costas is doing a, an interview. Jimmy and Jerry are sitting right next to each other. Bob Costas is right on the side. And I was really naive because back then I said, oh, Jimmy's going to stay forever. They're winning. Bob Costas said to Jimmy, he goes, Jimmy, do you respect Jerry's knowledge of football? Does he know football? And he's and I, Jimmy just goes, well, Jared knows football for an owner. But like a football coach? No, no, no. I've been doing this 30 years. He doesn't look, know it the way we do. And I'm thinking, oh, my God. And so that has always been this thing. Jerry, who, to his credit, played college football, started on the national championship team. He wants to be given credit as a football guy, not just an owner. And, and that short-sightedness has always haunted the Cowboys because, Jason, in my view, they didn't get nearly as much out of that dynasty as they could have. Steve, I want to move on to uh, an, another point. Uh, Tony Dungy has made a comment that people kind of laughed at and mocked or whatever, but I, I actually think there's a slight kernel of truth uh, let's play sot number two, Tony Dungy talking about Taylor Swift. What do you make of the Taylor Swift effect here? That's the thing that's disenchanting people with, with sports now. There's so much on the outside that come coming in, entertainment value and uh, different things as taking away from what really happens on the field. Mm. I'm someone that completely agrees with Tony that you diminish the game by making it all about the stuff off the field. Did you see the video of uh, Taylor Everyone's Swift playing? leading oh the old dance? Yeah, play, let's play that video. Yeah. She's doing a little dance step. Uh, got the whole audience. No, it's it's a video of her dancing. Uh, that, that I asked, well, we're not going to get it. Uh, it says here it's VO number one. Uh, <laughs> but <clears throat> anyway, um, <clears throat> That, to me, there's kernels of truth to what Tony is saying. And and what Tony's really saying, I I would extrapolate on what he's saying, is that big picture, what he said, the game, this stuff isn't about the game. None of it is. And, And the NFL isn't about the fan at all. 
And that's how you end up with a game on Peacock, streamed to a smaller audience, because you don't care about the fans at all. Your thoughts on Tony Dungy and just where the football, where the NFL is with its fans. If Tony Dungy isn't seen again on an NFL broadcast ever again, <laughs> go back to that clip, okay? <laughs> he may have just lost his job, but God bless him. He's a good, God-fearing, honest man. The other thing is, you talk about the Freemasons and people talk about the Illuminati. I'm watching the uh, Rams game yesterday, probably the best game of the playoff weekend, right? And there's this commercial that comes in, and I think uh, Travis Kelsey was pushing that Pfizer vax, right? All of this is connected in, in a certain way. Taylor Swift is now dating who? Travis Kelsey. And there's a couple other celebrities. I'm just watching this going, wow, they're still pushing that? I mean, we're in 2024, Jason, and they are still pushing this thing. And I'm just thinking to myself, no wonder why everyone hates A-Rod. He's the only one with the guts enough to tell the truth on this whole thing. Steve, finally, before we let you go, uh, do you get rid of Mike McCarthy and Dak Prescott or just one? And Dan Quinn. I thought Dan Quinn's defensive alignment. There were times in that second half I said, you got to run a nine-man front and just say, you know what, we're going to go man because they're going to run the ball. And even Greg Olson was pointing out, like, man, they're in a light box. Uh, look, I'm not exactly Asian Buddy Ryan, but I kind of knew, like, they're going to run the ball here. And it was one of the worst executed defensive game plans I have ever seen. But let's go back to three years ago, Jason, when you first started this show. Uh, you and I had discussions where Jerry Jones was getting bullied into giving Dak this really big contract where you said it, wait a minute, this guy's not going to carry you. He's not going to be the... The wheel, he'll be a spoke on the rim, but he's not the whole wheel. The wheels fell off yesterday. I mean, it, it's easy to say it's a team game, but Jason, if you look at that first quarter, Dak is missing throws. The ball is in danger the whole time. The mismanagement of the clock. I mean, I don't want to go that far out, but if you would have put Jordan Love in a Cowboy uniform and Dak Prescott in a Packer uniform, I don't know. I, I think the game may have been won by... The other team. I mean, Jordan Love at times, didn't he look like Aaron Rodgers on a few throws? The, the, just the touch, the arm angles, the ability to use his feet. While Dak, the whole game, especially the first half, was unsteady. He did not protect the football. And those stats, uh, what's that old line from Benjamin Franklin? There's lies, damn lies, and statistics. Because everything that happened in the fourth quarter, those are empty calories. They just padded the stats. He did not play a great game. And I get the sense that McCarthy and Dak, they are tied at the hip. I think you all, I don't know if you can because of the contract. I think Dak is taking you as far as he can go. He's a really good regular season quarterback. Thank you, Steve. Uh, that's the Korean Cosell. And that's our show for today. Uh, we'll play some tomorrow. And we'll see you tomorrow. Waiting for the countdown, coming off the breakdown, standing in line for freedom. Looking for a breakout, feeling like a standoff, nothing in life like freedom. Came like a fighter, striking like a ladder, making all this moves for freedom. I want freedom. No negotiation, my system, no relation We all just wanna have freedom Sitting on the corner, never been alone I'm breaking my back for freedom Bless, we are living, get back We are receiving, all receiving We all wanna be free We want freedom I just want, I wanna be, I just